Good morning, everybody. My name is Matthew. I'm one of the pastors here at Desert Springs. Let's put our hands together for virtual Caleb there. That was beautiful. Uh, In my hand, I hold this invitation of which he speaks. Definitely, as you leave these doors and get back to your cars, before you do that, grab one of these handy-dandy cards here and bring somebody to this awesome service. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to be a good time. At least you can laugh at me a little bit. I'll be on the stage um, being very ridiculous. So definitely come. It's, It's going to be an awesome time. Now, I don't have a ton of time, so I'm just going to jump right in. Join me as I pray. God, thank you so much for this wonderful group of people. God, we are full of um, diverse backgrounds, full of different perspectives, full of different values. And God, I just thank you for gathering all of us into this place. Pray, God, that you will help me not be overly concerned about the faces and the people, but that I will preach like it's my last time, that I'll preach the truth of your word. We give you praise for the opportunity to hear truth in a world full of lies. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. The big question today is peace possible? Is real peace possible? In a world full of different sides, different perspectives, in a news environment that is forcing you to be binary, forcing you to pick a side, the question is, is peace actually possible? In a season where many of you are thinking of ending the year strong, you're, you're hoping that you're not in the red, you're hoping that your numbers are good, is peace possible? Some of you, you're students and you're in finals time, it's quickly approaching and you're trying to navigate grades and trying, if you were like me, trying to convince and manipulate teachers to turn that C into a B minus. Please turn that grade into a B minus. Imagine waiting your whole life for a ship to come in and it never happens. Imagine waking up in the morning and not wanting to get out of bed. Imagine going to a building that you hate going to. You dread going to this place over and over again. Imagine living a life and looking in a mirror and not recognizing the person that you're looking at. Imagine asking this question, is peace actually possible? When I was a kid, my mom would say this weird foreign statement, I just want peace and quiet. I was the youngest of three boys. My oldest brother is five years older than me. The other brother, the older brother is two years ahead of me. Three boys. My mom was raised with all girls. She was in a house full of men, with, including my dad. She felt like she was raising four boys. 
And sometimes as the dishes aren't done and socks are everywhere and toys are all over the hallway and we're loud and obnoxious and hitting walls and fighting each other and punching people in the face, she screams at the top of her lungs, I just want some peace and quiet. And as we laugh, some of you are thinking the same thing. It's holiday season. It's Christmas. Angels are singing. Some of you guys are like, I can't wait till January till this is all over. And you're asking the question, is peace truly possible? And the word of God, the Bible, scripture says, it responds emphatically. It says confidently, yes, peace is possible. Not only is it possible, but it's promised to those who subscribe or those who choose or decide to believe in this amazing narrative, this amazing good news gospel-centered story around this dude, this dude God, this God-man named Jesus. For those who say peace is not possible, Maybe you're not convinced about this whole Jesus guy. I beg you to ask yourself this question. If peace is not possible in this man named Jesus, here's a question, friend. What's the alternative? If peace is not possible, if all this goody feeling, Jesus, hallelujah, praise the Lord stuff ain't the real thing, my question to you is, what are you subscribing to? And how's that working out for you? Ignoring or blocking it all out are some of the things that I've done to find the alternative. I don't know about you, but, but in our environment, if it's not Jesus or if it's not this whole Bible focused on something bigger than ourselves thing, then substances entertainment, cool pastimes that we have to continue to feed over and over again. Those are alternatives. How many golf balls do I have to hit and get frustrated over and over again? I'm not talking about your golf game, I'm talking about mine. How many dinner parties do I have to go to to find peace? How many times do I have to rise on a corporate ladder in order to find peace? How many counseling sessions? How many I'm sorry's? How many do-overs do we need in order to truly find peace? How much money? In 2008, it was by any means necessary. I was just trying to find a job. And then I got one and then I needed more money. And then I got a better one, then I needed more money. Then I got to Silicon Valley and I started selling software and I had a cool title, but I needed more. That's my story, what's yours? How much money does it take? How much freedom does it take? How much liberty, what does that look like? Is it possible to have peace in one of these alternatives? That's, that's a fair question. I would like to submit to you today that yes, peace is possible and 
the love of Jesus Christ is clearly communicated in the Bible, in the word of God. And I know for some of you guys, that's not woo exciting and it doesn't like explode something in your head. But what I'm going to submit to you today is the best thing that I personally have ever found. After the creation and after the fall, after Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, after everything was formed and everything was created, man looks at God and says, I know better than you. I don't have to listen to you. It's kind of like my two-year-old used to do. Dad, mine, I know better than you. My toy, my room, my house, mine. You don't know what you're talking about. Even though you created everything in this house and you made me, it's mine, Dad. God creates us and then we fall because we look at dad, God, and say, you don't know what you're doing. And then the third scene, the third move happens called redemption. And after redemption, there's going to be restoration. But right now, we're, we're in that between time where we have an opportunity to be redeemed. For those who don't know what that big word means, all of it means is we're falling down a building and Batman comes and rescues us, redeems us, saves us, catches us just in the nick of time. We're in that season. Luke 2 records, for unto us a son. Just imagine Batman flying down from a beautiful place. Batman flying down to save us. His name wasn't Batman. His name was Jesus. Luke chapter 2 verse 14 says, for unto us the son is given glory to God. Luke chapter 2, glory to God in the highest peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It's possible, Luke says. This piece that I'm talking about today is a provision type piece. This piece provides. Imagine this person, some of you guys might have heard of her. Her name is Oprah. Imagine Oprah on her platform. She's this talk show host, if you've ever heard of her, and imagine her telling the entire, entire audience, an audience of, of, of this size, telling them to look underneath their chairs and to grab a little white box, and everybody eagerly looks underneath their chairs, and they grab this little white box, and they break the box open, and they pick up a key, and, and inside the box there's this key, and it's there. She says it's theirs, and everybody's like, it's a car key. And then Oprah says, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Imagine Oprah and her entire team strategically putting the people that needed a car in that room, single moms that were catching the bus with four and five kids. Imagine Oprah creating a situation where her, her need that she could see out in the audience was fulfilled with a car. That's my little 2018 updated parable of this. When God saw this world broken and desperately needing a savior, God, like a perfect glove on the perfect size hand, gave us the ultimate key. Gave us the access to opportunity. What are you talking about, dude? I don't know. I ain't been given nothing. What are you talking about? His name is Jesus. Google him. His name is Jesus. 
Peace is not only provision like a car key to a brand new car for people that didn't have one, but peace is like transformation. I don't know about you guys, but back in the day when HTV was huge, for some of you guys, that's your life still today. But for me, that, that was a while ago. And my wife and I, we used to watch those home makeover shows. Woo! Love those home makeover shows. These experts will come to people and their homes were just ridiculous. The roof was falling apart. Plumbing was bad. The electrical was all jacked up. This light didn't turn on. You had to go on that other side of the house in order to get this side of the house turned on. I mean, furniture was old. Everything backyard, you couldn't access it. Garage filled to the top. Front yard, couldn't recognize it. And they would choose these people, not requiring anything from them but basically saying, we're going to do a makeover. If I could update the parable, just like that HGT makeover, that, that HGTV makeover. They would, they would take the people out and put them somewhere else. They would make over this house in a week or a weekend, however long it took. And then they would pick the people up in a limo and they had this big massive canvas that looked like their old house. And that big canvas would be on these wheels and it would be blocking the vision of the house. The, the limousine would pull up to the massive canvas. They would pull out that limo door and let the person out. The person could only see the old view of the house and all of a sudden they would count one, two, three and they would move the canvas and all of a sudden the person who knew the old them, the old view of the house would see a house that they could not recognize. I don't know if you can hear what I'm saying, but when God steps in, he gives us a peace that cannot be recognized. The question is, how does this peace work? How must, we, how must we tap in to this peace? And finally, where in the world does this come from, bro? Where does this peace come from? Well, watch as we explore Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four is gonna show us three things and then I'm gonna sit down. The substance of peace, the self-discipline of peace, and the secret of peace. First of all, the substance of peace. What does peace consist of? I'm gonna read it. Philippians chapter four, verse five says, let your graciousness, in another translation, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What does that word mean? Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do, don't worry, do not worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which goes beyond, which, which, which blows your mind, that, that surpasses all understanding, will guard, that's a big one, underline that one, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What is the substance of peace, graciousness, it surpasses all understanding and it guards you. Peace is gentle. It will go beyond anything you can imagine and it'll guard you, it will protect you. What is peace? Peace is calm, it's an equilibrium. It's 
poise. It doesn't mean that everything is perfect. It just means that within you, there's calm, there's equilibrium, there's poise. The, the guy that's writing this text, the guy that's been inspired, the guy that has heard from God and is writing this text, his name is Paul. And Paul is not in the palace, he's in prison while he's writing this. Paul knows what it means to be tortured. He knows what it means to be abused. Paul understands what it means to go to a neighborhood, go to a town, preach, get punched in the face, nearly dead, like nearly stoned to death, pick himself back up and go back to the place where he just came from and do it all over again. He knows what it means to say what he believes and get locked up for it. That's who's writing this. He says, the substance of peace is pretty simple, gentleness. Let me help some of y'all that's getting a little distracted here. If somebody punches me in the face, the last thing I'm thinking is gentleness. I don't know what your story is, but I'm just telling you mine. Paul says, the response to trial, to challenge, to trial is gentleness. What, what is peace, Paul? Being gentle. What else does he say? He says, it's something that goes beyond human understanding. I used to think that peace was something that came in the summertime or in the spring. Then I moved to Phoenix and then I realized... You know, peace ain't really in the summer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I used to think that peace was like seasons. You know, we were taught that in Sunday school. You got up times and you got down times. You got up times and you got down times. Then I heard this cool analogy of peace. I'm going to share it with you right now. This preacher said peace is like two railroad tracks. They're parallel to each other. They're side by side. They're going in the same direction. One track is the bad track. That's hell, high water, drama, issues, gossip, lawsuits. That's that track. This track is good track. This is good stuff. Flowers, daisies, cute little fluffy babies, a raise at your job, good health. That's this track. And the, and the preacher says, he says, both tracks got trains on them, and they going in the same direction for your entire life. The optimist looks at the good track. The pessimist looks at the bad track. The Jesus follower sees both tracks, but they choose to look at the God over both of them. I don't know if that helped you or not, but it's not, there are no weeds, there are no reeds. Think positive, think positive. She didn't die. No, she did die. No, we did lose grandma. No, that, I did get fired. That actually did happen. Somebody did lie on me. That actually happened. The lawsuit, those papers, all that's real. Divorce, that, that was real. I see that. And at the same time, I see the good. But I choose to focus on something bigger than all of it. 
And the way that my faith is set up, the way that my focus is set up, the way that my religion is set up, the way that my relationship is designed, it's not based on my own ability. Buddha, Holy Krishna, Muhammad, all the other faiths, no disrespect, but you gotta do this and you gotta do that and you gotta be this and you gotta be that. When I met Jesus, I signed up because Jesus said, I know you messed up and I know you can't get it right. I know outside of me there is no peace and you need something bigger than you to enable you to live a life with your head up. Not that everything's gonna be cute and pretty. Remember, Paul's in prison as he's writing this. Paul is writing a thank you letter to the people at the church in Philippi saying thank you for the love while he's locked up while he's being imprisoned, while he's being tortured. He's not writing from an ivory tower. He's saying things physically and in terms of my circumstance aren't making sense, but I know how to be poised in the middle of it because there's a well inside of me that springs up that never runs out. It's like those Energizer Bunny commercials. Y'all remember those old commercials? I used to want to shoot that bunny. I mean, that bunny would just go and go and go. Like, man, can somebody stop that bunny? They were selling batteries and they were saying, our batteries will last longer than your batteries. Basically, it's so strong that it can, in, that it can empower this bunny to continue to hit this stupid drum and make all this noise in circles. Well, I got a battery. I got a source that's bigger than the Energizer Bunny's battery. My battery is better than your battery. <laughs> Verse seven says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Peace will protect you. I love the 23rd number of Psalms. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say that I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to see the possibility of death. I'm not gonna see the possibility or experience the possibility of drama, but it says, yea, though I, wait, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. One of my favorite preachers, he said, it's just a shadow. <laughs> It looks like it's gonna kill you. It looks like it's gonna end you. But for the person that has submitted their lives to Jesus, the one that said, I wanna, I wanna follow this dude, I wanna investigate this dude named Jesus. For that person, it says, it's just a shadow. And then Philippians 4, it, it, it kind of goes more in depth. It gives you the how behind peace. I just talked about the substance of peace. The self-discipline is pretty clear. I'm going to run through it. Peace in verse 9, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. How do you have a discipline of peace? Verse 9 of Philippians chapter 4, it says, What you have learned and received and heard, what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. What you have been born with. No. What talent you have, no. It says, what you have learned. Peace is not talent, peace is taught. 
it's experienced. They say life is, experience is the best teacher. Life is the, the best teacher. I can refine that a little bit. A Christ-centered life. A God-centered life that is experienced is the best teacher. Paul is saying, I've experienced, you can read a couple of verses lower, I know what it's like, let's just be friends here, let's just be honest. Paul says, I know what it's like to be broke. Paul says, I know what it's like to be po, not poor. I can't afford an O or an R. I know what it's like to be po. I don't know if you ever heard what it's like to be poor, but, but I know what it's like, Paul says, to be without, to have nothing. <laughs> and I got an amen right there. Somebody else can read. You'll, you'll, you'll see. Paul says, I know what it's like to be up there. I'm from Rome, Paul says. I know what it's like to be the Jew of the Jews, the, the, the Pharisee of the Pharisees. I know what it's like to be on that upper class, to have people open my door, to valet everywhere. And he says, I've been up, I've been down, but I know how to be content. He says, I've learned, I've experienced. Then he goes and he says, I know what, it, what it's like to be thankful. If you read verse, verse five, verse six, verse seven, you'll see Paul talks about with thanksgiving in your heart. He says, I know what it's like to have not only a discipline of learning, but I know how to think about those things that are true. I know how to think about those things that are above. I know how to think about those things that are, are praiseworthy. I know how to be disciplined in my thinking. Then he says, I know, I know self-discipline in prayer. For anybody that's like me that loves to worry, you feel like waking up in the morning, there's a prerequisite for worry. Like you're required to worry today. You're required to be fearful. If there's anybody like me, Paul says, Paul says the recipe for that is prayer. Guys, I'm here to tell you, I worry all day. I was driving home my wife last night and she says, Man, you were really uncomfortable at Zoo Lights, weren't you? You were, you were really uncomfortable. I was like, yes, I was. There's a lot of people, and I got four kids, and I'm freaking out, and I don't know where they are. She's like, you are officially a helicopter parent. I said, well, it's 50% selfish and 50% love. If something happens to them, I can't live with myself. And then if something happens to them, and I knew I could have prevented it, I'm an irresponsible parent, and I don't love them. She's like, that's some messed up theology. <laughs> she said, you don't read your Bible. <laughs> I said, we ain't talking about the Bible right now. I'm telling you. <laughs> telling you it's a lot of lights and a lot of kids. And I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to get nobody. If somebody grabbed my daughter, it's a problem. Y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me. So for some of the worriers in here, I understand, I understand. And the only solution is praying without ceasing. Like a constant discipline of prayer. Okay, here we go, Jesus. Here we go again. Here's some lights and some more kids. And, and they're not listening to me, Jesus. Help me. Give me strategy. Give me perspective. 
Paul says, the pain in the prison, that ain't going away, but I know how to be poised. And it's not based on my talent. It's something that I've learned. It's a discipline of learning. And finally, he says, there's a secret to this thing called peace. I love, I'm out of here on this. I love when people say that Jesus was just thinking about all of us when he was on the cross. That's true. Jesus is hanging on the cross, nails in his hands, nails in his feet. And, and he's on the cross because he's taken the punishment or like my dad used to say, the butt whooping that we deserved. Jesus has taken the punishment on him because we could not take the punishment on us because we had issues, we had drama. And, and the only one that could save the world was someone that had no sin, that knew no sin. Jesus, who had never sinned, had, had never done anything wrong. He's on the cross and, and people say that he was thinking positive thoughts. That ain't, that ain't the truth. Jesus was in agony. He was in pain. There was tons of anxiety. There was loneliness. There was the, like beyond depression, be, beyond like, like, like just, just the worst feeling you could ever think of. It's like having a migraine in your soul. Jesus is burdened on the cross. There was zero peace on the cross. But he forfeited peace, took on the pain, so that when we go through, we can have peace. He took on pain so he could be peace for us. He died, and he not only conquered death when he resurrects, physically comes out of the grave, but he conquers sin. He conquers shame. He conquers depression. He conquers all of the things that feel like they are threatening me on a day-to-day basis. The secret of peace is pretty clear. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Is peace possible? It's the question. In a world that's full of this side and that side, in a world that's full of chaos, in a season, in a time that is crazy, flights and meals, deadlines, expectations, in-laws, and my kids too, (laughs) is peace possible? Scripture says yes, peace is possible. For unto us, Jesus has been given, not just to be the cute little cuddly baby in a manger, but to eventually die, taking on my mess, my mistakes, Winning, resurrecting, and giving me the win with him. Let us pray.